0: Welcome to the Best Boss Ever podcast. I'm your host, Christine Perrier, president of Leader in Motion. On this show, we're gonna gossip about the best boss you ever had. We're gonna hear stories about things that they did that helped you feel valued, helped you feel engaged and really inspired you. We wanna hear about the bosses that changed the way you look at everything. If you wanna hear more, join me at christinelaperriere.com and sign up for our newsletter, The Whip. Today, I have invited Christine Andrew onto the show who I had the luxury of working with at KPMG. And one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you, Christine, is that, first of all, we had a great working relationship. I really enjoyed working with you. And it was a really neat environment at the time because I just remember, you know, it was very collaborative, a lot of incredibly smart people in a room, but really working together to solve problems. And that culture was pretty special. So I thought it would make for a great conversation to find out more about your best boss. Please introduce yourself to everybody.
1: So, well, thanks so much for inviting me, Christine. I'm super excited to be here today. So, as mentioned, my name is Christine Andrew. I'm the Managing Director of Strategy and Digital at one of the Big fours. Tell us who
0: is your best boss ever and or tell us a little bit about that person and and why you thought of them.
1: yeah, so I was reflecting about this on the weekend. I've been fortunate. I've worked with so many amazing people in my career today and and hope to continue to be able to work with many more in the future. but, One person sticks out for me, and it's because he is so people-focused. Actually, to kind of pull on the thread of collaboration that you just mentioned, he does a lot to foster collaboration. But even more than that, he focuses on the individuals, right? And really thinks about people as people and people as humans and not necessarily just as employees. And for me, that's always really stuck with me.
0: So tell me a little bit about what is it like to work for that best boss give me examples
1: it's pretty inspiring to be honest I'll give you a, a few examples so as I mentioned like this person is really great at kind of seeing the human right which I think has been even more important during the pandemic but was critical even before then right in terms of trying to developing a really strong culture and a really strong team approach. So, I'll give you a few examples. So, one thing that this person does probably better than anyone else I've met, personally or professionally, is listen. And I don't mean just listen superficially. I mean really listen and hear to what what's being said. He believes that good ideas can come from anywhere, right? Some leaders, I find, will only listen to other leaders or only listen, and this is unfortunate, but it does still happen time to time, only listen to males. And as a female, and someone who's always looked younger than I am, I found often in meetings, you know, I would get dismissed, right, or just passed over or talked over, Or, you know, if it's a a vendor who doesn't know the organization, you know, they'll only speak to the male in the room or the person who on the surface appears to be the most senior. And that's not a great feeling, right? It can feel pretty crappy when that happens. This leader never does that. He truly listens he makes a point of acknowledging everybody. And then what I've observed as well is he'll actively reflect on the feedback. It doesn't always get implemented, but he'll actively reflect on what's being said and think about, okay, well, how can we use some of that? Or can we use a little bit of A and a little bit of C and make something really special out of it, right? And, and in my experience, that's being pretty weird.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. So I'm just thinking that, first of all, I love what you said. I just want to reiterate this. Great ideas can come from anywhere. I feel like that point, again, like to live that is pretty impressive. So that's like inclusion at the next level. So like you said, it's not just listening, just being quiet so somebody else can talk. It's actually really searching for the meat in somebody's contribution.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And To to build on that, I would say one of the things that I've learned is the importance of democratic leadership. And it's something that I've personally adopted as well in different situations. And obviously, you can't use that in every single situation. Sometimes you just need to make a decision and, and move on. But when you can, use democratic leadership and get input from multiple people and understand multiple perspectives and get input from different parts of the organization and then come to a decision, I find it can do wonders at driving engagement, collaboration, alignment, cohesion within the organization. Um, And something that this leader has done in particular, which I thought was super smart, was he implemented a reverse mentorship program. So it's a formal forum for rising stars to provide feedback and input on, you know, it can be specific programs within the organization. It can be priorities. If we're struggling with a specific problem, sometimes, you know, he'll throw it out to this table to get input from the what we call the leaders of tomorrow to get input from this leadership table and some really amazing, unique ideas come out of that table. And I think it's such a, a smart and inspiring way to to approach the organization.
0: I think that's brilliant, you know. When I graduated, I went into Chrysler's High Potential Program, and they had always said that they wanted all of these really young minds to be our out-of-the-box thinkers. But one of the challenges that I, I say is like, you know, as soon as I got in there, everybody would smack me and go, get back in the box. You know, like, stop talking about you. Know, you don't know how business works. At, you don't know how things happen yet. I definitely remember ageism being a bit of a challenge. I mean, much to your point earlier about looking young, you know, you're getting ageism, which is frustrating. And so when I hear that, I go, that's a brilliant way to harness all of that creative thinking and all of that energy without having to make those people feel like they have to be pushed back in the box.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right.
0: Yeah. That's great. Great things
1: can happen outside of that box. You don't need to be in that box. Right.
0: Right. And Mm -hmm. I mean, he's being intentional about that, which is Mm -hmm. fantastic. So he's like, I'm going to tap into these people for very specific ideas um, sure, we'll still go ahead and train them on the stuff that you know we need to do to get them to be functional in the organization, but we can actually tap into that out-of-the-box thinking. I think that's really cool. What else do you want to share about this leader?
1: I think something else that makes this leader really special and unique is his ability to believe in and empower people. I'll give you a, a personal example. I had witnessed this person doing a really great job at, you know, instilling confidence and seeing people's unique talents in other areas of the organization. But about three and a half years ago, I was leading our national corporate marketing team across the country, you know, really loved that job had spent, you know, the, you know, first 15 or so years of my career, building my craft in marketing communications and, and building out teams and, you know, had this Career map in my mind, kind of all laid out in terms of what my future would look like. And, you know, he came to me and asked me if I would consider changing directions and moving over to help build out our digital area of our business. And I thought, holy cow, this is silly. Like, I have no business, you know, building out. Digital. I don't have the deep technical knowledge that I thought was really important to be successful in that type of role. But you know, he he kind of said, "Well, I know that you can do this, and I know that you have the transferable skills needed to succeed, right? You're great at problem solving. You're great at building teams. You have amazing resiliency. You know, you're good. Sometimes too good, like <laughs> pushing the envelope and wanting to do things differently." And and so he was able to see potential in me that I kind of overlooked myself, to be honest, right? And helped instill that confidence in me to do something different. And to be honest, that's been incredibly rewarding. And and if I didn't have that push from him to do something different and do something, you know, kind of scary, to be honest, but also really amazing in terms of the impact on the organization, but also the the personal growth for me. Like I wouldn't have done it, right? If I didn't have that push from him and if he didn't see that potential in me. So he's really great at seeing talent in people and and giving them the confidence to do things differently.
0: I hear that often. So doing, you know, almost 50 of these interviews, I hear one of the traits that re, you know, reoccurs over and over again is that boss that can spot something that nobody else has seen in themselves yet. And, you know, if you think about it, it completely, I, first of all, I had a mentor that did that to me. And I definitely think when I look back at my career, it was the game changer. It would put me on a totally different trajectory. And I'm so thankful for that. I think what you just said is the same. I just interviewed somebody who was, you know, a teacher and literally ended up in a sales role in the financial industry and is a fantastic sales leader. And it was all because somebody spotted that difference. So I listened to what you just said and I go... I'm smiling because that's one of the reoccurring themes.
1: Yeah. And and, I agree. I'm so grateful that, you know, he saw that in me and and gave me this opportunity.
0: Right. And it changes the trajectory of your career, right? It it changes what you see in yourself.
1: And even the potential opportunities for the future. Right. And I would say it's also helped me as a leader really reflect on, you know, yes, this person is doing this role today, but their superpower is really this thing. So how can we help support them and build that out so that they can be even better in the future? And that's great.
0: So now, and that's one of the best parts too of a best boss is that you start to emulate the, the thing that you saw in them. So that now spills over into your leadership, which is to me the best. That's, that's why I'm so passionate about this topic in the first place, because I believe that it influences so many people over time.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Amazing. So one of the questions that I always love to ask in my world Obviously, companies have to invest in their people in order to help build up this type of talent. And the question that comes up over and over again is what is the return on investment? So if you had to quantify, if you can, I, I love to ask this question because most people count. but if you had to quantify what the impact is of working for a best boss ever on the business, on the numbers, what would you say?
1: That's a great question. So, in terms of quantifying it, i'll I'll do it softly. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Like, I will say, you know, our organization has had unprecedented growth. And not only have we had unprecedented growth over the past few years under this person's leadership, you know, it's been through a pandemic, right? So, this person has the ability to put out, you know, what sometimes can appear to be an unachievable an vision and motivate people to achieve it which I think is is pretty amazing. Something else that personally really speaks to me, my values is we have made tremendous advancements when it comes to DEI or diversity, equity, and inclusion in terms of how we think about our organization, how we think about treating each other again as human beings within the organization and really challenging each other around some of our assumptions or around some you know, behaviors that we didn't even realize, you know, we were doing or doing it intentionally. So, and I don't know if that would have happened if we didn't have somebody like this leader, you know, helping to really move the needle. We've made, again, tremendous strides when it comes to how we think about mental health and how we approach mental health and the programs that we have for around mental health within the organization. And it's not just, you know, we have a chief mental health officer, we have a chief diversity and inclusion officer. It's much bigger than that in terms of embedding these things into our culture and in to how we approach our work in each other every day.
0: That's exciting. I mean, I'm doing that work and I think that is so important and it's cutting edge, right? Like the best organizations are investing in that, and the rest are waiting to see what the best are doing.
1: And and the thing about this area, it's an area that I'm passionate about, and you know, I, I do some work on this at a, from a volunteer perspective as well. It's an area where we're, well, I shouldn't say all of us, but many of us are learning at the same time, right? I don't know if anyone you know, has the gold star, has all the answers, you know, we're all learning and growing and trying to be better collectively. And that's one of the reasons why I find the space so fascinating and important, right? Right,
0: right. It's a, it's a unchartered territory. We just know it's time.
1: Exactly. It is past time, right?
0: Yeah, it is past time. That's amazing. So when you've worked for a not best boss, (laughs) one that maybe wasn't as inspiring for you, what were the kind of things that happened? Again, share some examples and some stories, but what what didn't work for you personally?
1: This is a, a tricky one. I've been fortunate where I've worked with a lot of amazing people. But I would say if, you know, you have a day that was less than awesome, like, there were kind of common themes, right? And it typically would come down to like not feeling respected, either not being respected for, you know, ideas and contributions, not feeling like your time is being respected, not feeling like your values are being respected, you know, not feeling like I was being respected as a human being. So it's almost the opposite of what I described previously in terms of not feeling seen or respected. And so like, how do people do that? Let's say maybe
0: even accidentally, right? So most leaders don't think that they're not respectful. That's a thing like, well, I'm coaching most leaders. They're not saying, oh, I'm not respectful. Most think that they are, but I think sometimes that's a blind spot. So can you just tell me like, an example, like what, what kind of things make you feel that way?
1: You know, a simple one, because I touched, it's not really simple, but because I touched on it earlier would be the, the listening, but I think being people oriented, not task oriented, right? And so task oriented for me would be, you know, focused on the, the outcomes focused on the deliverable, which are Absolutely important. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) Absolutely important. But focusing on the task without focusing on the people, that's I find where the respect boundaries can get a little bit blurry, right? Where, you know, if someone, for example, has a personal boundary, right? Or they have a personal commitment, and if it's only task focused, outcome focused, Somebody might overlook that unintentionally to your point. unintentionally overlook that. And that's where I find, you know, you know, feelings could get hurt, values could get stepped on, et cetera. That makes a
0: lot of sense to me. I'm having my own aha moment as I'm listening to you. <laughs> I was just thinking about someone that was very task oriented who kept challenging me to work with their leaders at eight in the morning. And I kept saying, I have two young kids at home and they're not out the door until nine. And so it's a lot of anxiety for me to work during that hour when there's a lot of background noise and there's my concern of not being able to deliver at my best. And so it's just, it was so interesting though, because it was a battle like this person didn't understand this. So we had to go back and forth quite a bit and I kept feeling very unvalued and I didn't know what it was, but it just like dawned on me when you said it to me. I'm like, that was the difference. It's like the the person wasn't intentionally trying to be disrespectful, but it kept making me feel like something was missed, right? And so task-oriented versus people-oriented, people-oriented would have been, hey, we can definitely work around that one hour. Let's find a solution (laughs) where you can bring your best without it having to be in conflict with whatever's happening at home
1: yeah exactly. That's very, exactly. very great insight, yeah. And I think you you raised a really important point that sparked for me is that that's how you really get the best out of people, right? You would have been distracted, probably stressed, trying to manage this executive call at eight in the morning with little kids making noise in the background and trying to get off to school. Whereas if it started at nine or nine thirty, you know, you would have done a much better job at the task because the person was taken care of.
0: Right. And that's exactly it. You know, it was just uh, it's such an interesting thing where I'm like, I know my performance is going to be X versus Y. And I want to give you why, like, I want to give you the best me, right? Exactly. And Um, most people do. Most people
1: want to give the best that they can. So we just need to help them get there, right?
0: Yeah, that's a great example of, and I think I can really picture different, you know, examples where, just like you said, it's not that the task is not important. It's just being able to combine the two ideas and then navigate some great solutions that incorporate both. Amazing. I really like that. So that's a little bit about, you know, let's say the example of, you know, maybe the not best. A lot of people who listen to the show are trying to figure out how to sharpen the saw in their own leadership skills. So I would just say kind of in a closing, if you had to teach or advise future leaders on, you know, how to be a best boss, what would you tell them to focus on?
1: This is tricky because I I am still on my own journey (laughs) to be the best boss, right? As I think many of us are. I don't think it's ever something that you, you know, you get that, you know, report card where you're finally the best boss, right? I think we're always kind of learning and growing and and developing and trying to get better over time. But um, a few things have stuck with me. So one, I would say kind of lead with empathy and be human centric because like at the end of the day, we're all humans, right? And and consider that whole person and not just the employee. He kind of says kind of almost humorously sometimes, but it really sticks with me is he talks about leaving positive cookies, right? And so, and what he means by positive cookies is, like always leave somebody with something positive from the interaction right like whether it's a word of encouragement or a compliment or you know advice or guidance or even like a link to an interesting article right but just think about leaving a positive cookie and something positive about the interaction so that they'll they'll kind of leave the conversation. You know, energized and and have that positive frame of mind. So that's always really stuck with me, and that's something actually this leader's being excellent at is um just bringing a sense of humor to interactions. You know, he's he's very and this is this is hard k- given some of the you know tricky situations. But you know, no matter how serious the topic or how tricky the situation or you know the severity of the problem, he'll. Find a way to make people smile, right? And and just add a little bit of humor and, and positivity or, or focus on, you know what? Yes, like this thing, and these are my words, you would never say it this way, but this thing really sucks. Yeah. Right? It's hard, <laughs> it sucks. Yeah. yeah. But you know, we're gonna get it to a better place. You know, there's a better future, there's this positive outcome, this positive silver lining. So really thinking about. The positive aspect of things and having more of an optimistic frame of mind.
0: Absolutely. And I mean, that mindset's so big and we know it. But again, to live it is a little different. So, what does it look like? Just like you said, so being in a meeting, I love this idea of leaving positive cookies. And this is what I was trying to get at with the show is like, what are those little things that a great leader does? Not the big, kind of obvious stuff. Like, we've all read about a lot of these, like, topics and we're all thinking that we're doing them, but there's something, there's a quality to a really great leader that are, it's more nuanced. And so like, to me, that's such an example, like, you know, in a meeting, it's like thinking about, you know, leaving the positive cookie, right? Or like... You know, what can't just, you find on Google? What's yeah. that leadership
1: tip that you can't find on Google?
0: Yeah, I think that's exactly it, right? It's not tactical. It's like an it's where leadership is an art. And that's, you know, he obviously knows how to find that little piece of art in the moment. And nobody gave him that in a Harvard Business Review article. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You know? I think that's a great close today. So we'll, we'll challenge everybody as they leave to think about where in their work world they can leave positive cookies behind for, you know, people that interact with them so they can leave that meeting feeling that little bit of optimism or that little bit of positivity that would help energize them and keep them going.
1: Yeah, that's it. Because it's contagious, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I'll leave this conversation with you, you know, in a positive mindset because we had so much fun and then that'll cascade to my next meeting, right? So it is, it's contagious. It
0: is contagious. And that's the best part. That's what I love about culture in the first place, right? Is that these little things matter, right? And then you go home at the end of the day and you're talking to your kids and you're, you, you have a better frame of mind just because your day was better, right? So listen, Christine, this was a fantastic interview. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. It was a pleasure to be on your show. If you
0: want to hear more, join me at com and sign up for our newsletter,
1: The Whip.